maybe, I don't think maybe, I think that it's pretty much assured that just about every one of you at some time in your life is either going to have somebody who is very sick, maybe even terminal, or maybe in your own life there's going to be a sickness in which people are going to come up to you and they're going to say, you know what, if you had enough faith, you could be healed. And you'll hear those words. You'll hear those words and you will say, but I'm not healed. And they're not healed. Maybe I need to find that secret that is out there that goes for healing. And I will go out and I will buy books. And I will start listening to some of the preachers that are on TV. And I'll even start going to some of those preachers' conferences. And if I need the healing myself, I'm going to push my way as much as I can to get up to the front where I can get on that platform so he can whack me in the head one time so that I can be healed. You know what I'm talking about. And so we look and we look and we look and we find that somehow we miss that secret. and We don't know what it is. And that loved one, that one that we cared about, passes away. Or they never get better. And we say, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong in order for me not to have had this, this secret of healing, this faith that I needed to have in order to be able to see my, my own self healed or someone else? And it is superstitious to believe that your actions, apart from this natural world, will bring your healing about. We know that, but we we somehow lose that. We abandon that when we get into that serious situation. But if you believe that you will be healed by your words, by your giving, I would even add to this, by your sacrifices, by your pretended expressions of faith, you are acting superstitiously. That's not what you're going to hear on TV by many of these preachers. That's not what you're going to hear in a lot of books that you're going to find out there. They're going to give you some secret, and you're wondering why you didn't get the secret. So let's look at healing in a very biblical way. And let's not take this and say, this is what I really want it to be. But let's say, this is what it really is, because we believe by truth not by superstition. We have truth that we believe by. Now, what I'm going to say right now is going to shock you because I think that you're going to say, no, you're wrong about this, but I assure you, I'm going to prove to you why I'm right by the scripture. All healing comes from God. I don't care if you're an atheist. I don't care if you have no faith whatsoever. I don't care if there's any, uh, anything about you that has ever gone to God in any way. All healing comes from God. Psalm 103.2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, uh, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases. Diseases have come because of the fall of man. You understand this. Our sin issued the disease into this world. Now, we can go back and say, well, we can blame that on Adam and Eve. But let's be honest here, folks. We've done our part in the sin world, too, haven't we? We've done our part in this. This does not mean that you are sick because of your sin, though. 
Do not under, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you got sick because of your sin. I'm saying that sickness came into this world because of sin. And so it is God who heals. And most of the time, God uses the natural world to heal. Hear me on this. Most of the time, he does it in a very natural way. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, God took the world and put it in order. And those who heal by medicine or by therapy or by surgery are acting within God's order that he put into this world. But God is not confined to the world he created. He did not build a box that he could not either get into or he could not exit from. He put this order in place and he made us fearfully and wonderfully. This is not on the screens, but it's got to be read. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You see, God put us together in the very first place. And here's something that you need to know statistically. A full 66% or two-thirds of the time, you will be healed if you never go to the doctor. You understand, every sniffle and everything else that you've had, you will get, you will, you will walk right through it and you will be healed because you have been put together in such a way that the body heals itself. It is an amazing thing to see how God has put us together. But our religion has made healing mysterious. And part of the reason that we don't really know how to completely heal people, I mean with medicines and stuff, is because we still haven't understood all of God's order that is there. God has put everything in order. If we could understand the order in every individual, we could understand how every person could be healed in a very natural way. And that's why when we look at an individual, we realize that this medicine works on this person, but this medicine doesn't work on that person over there. Do you know why they call it the practice of medicine? It's a practice because they learn from that practice of medicine. Because it's different with different people. And we've learned that God has put things in order. See, this, this we are so uniquely put in order that we should see this as pointing toward God. We should be able to know that God is in this order that is there. Romans chapter 1 verse 19 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. We should be able to look at our own bodies and realize you, God put this together. And God's intention in putting us in this order is to reveal himself and for us to give thanks to him and to honor him. That is why God put us this way. If there was no order, there could be no natural means of healing. You realize that? 
If there was no order, there'd be no natural means. In other words, this surgery, we don't know it's going to work. We don't know what's going to happen here. It's just going to be, we don't know that this therapy is going to, we don't have any clue. If you give you this medicine, we don't have a clue. And that's the way it would be. There'd be no order whatsoever. And then we would be truly superstitious. When I go to the hospital, you'll find that if I'm there, you're in the hospital, and I go to the hospital to visit you, you'll find that often I'm praying for the people that work in that hospital. And you'll hear me say these words. You know, know that you, if those of you who've been there in the hospital and had me visit, you, I know you've probably heard me say these words. I say, thank you, God, for the doctors, the nurses, the technicians, and everybody that works in this hospital because they are partners with you for healing and for life. That's reality, folks. They're partners. They're working with God in this. You know, if an, if an engineer builds a bridge, the construction must meet, meet the natural order for the strength of the bridge to be safe. You see, it's got to do more than look good. And I think that a lot of people think, I just want to look good. I don't care how I'm made. But you've got to be made in such a way that you will have the strength to be able to be healed through things. It is the natural order that allows a plane to fly or a motor to run, or even the lights to burn in this building. It is the natural order that is there. And so God provides healing in a big way, two-thirds of the time, two-thirds of the time, through the very natural order of our lives, and then even with the medicines that go along with the natural order of this, of our time. But God also, God gives the gift of healing to some people. God will give the gift of healing to some people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let me say that last sentence again. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Healing is listed amongst these spiritual gifts, or these, these uh, miraculous gifts, I have to say here. They are spiritual, but they are miraculous. This does not come from the natural world. This is beyond the natural world. And so God chooses a person to be his instrument of healing for a specific instance. God apportions these gifts individually as he wills. Now understand this. Now, I may be the only person that ever understands this way. And if I'm wrong, I guess the Lord's going to take me into heaven and he's going to set me aside and say, I'm wrong. you're wrong about this. But I believe this with my whole heart and I've prayed about this considerably. I have seen that these gifts that are listed here are very much possible in this world that we live in today. Every last one of them. Don't, don't misunderstand. I don't take them throwing out some of them and keeping some of them. I mean, I can't go in there and pick and choose. 
But what I do see is, is that as the Spirit wills, the person will receive that gift for a specific purpose and a specific instance. In other words, what will happen is, is that the person may have that, that, um, that utterance of knowledge according to the Spirit. In other words, they'll have a knowledge that they couldn't have had, some, maybe something about an individual that they're meeting, and they will have that knowledge. But they might not, never have that knowledge again. It may happen one time to them. They do not own that knowledge. That knowledge is something that as the Spirit wills it for them to have it, the Spirit wills it for them to have it. And so that the same thing would be true for that gift of healing. That gift of healing would be somewhere when someone has this, that comes upon them, they pray over this individual, that person is healed. And then what they do is, is that they, I mean, and that may happen more than once, may happen 10 times, may happen 20 times, may happen 35 times. I have no idea how many times the Spirit is going to do it. But if that person says, I've got the gift of healing, And they genuinely really believe that they had the gift of healing. And it is permanently upon them. And they don't spend all of their days at the hospital. Then they're either misled or they're misleading people. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? If you really had that gift, and those people that say, I have the gift of healing, you would not have to go and give big donations to some ministry in order for somebody to whack you in the head so that they could say that they had the gift of healing. What you would do is, is that you would just simply go to the hospitals and you'd be the insurance company's best friend because you would empty those hospitals as fast as you went in there. But you see, I don't see it that way. I understand the scripture as coming and, and upon that individual and it, and it happens. Now, folks, I want to tell you, I have personally prayed over a few people and they were healed instantly. And I'm talking about some pretty serious stuff. I have personally done that. Do I have the gift of healing that I could go down here to where my wife works at Centera Lee and say, tell you what, honey, I'm going to put you out of work today. You know what? You're never going to get another check from Centera because this hospital be going to be so empty that the, hot, that the, 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 that the, uh, the doctors around here are going to start driving the school buses and solve another problem we've got. You know, that's not going to happen. But the Spirit simply moved, and it happened. But I won't tell you that I'm the healer. God is the healer. And I know that if I were to tell you, can I explain away those things? Yes, I can explain away every one of those times that the the healing came. I don't know how to totally explain it, but I can explain them away. But I can tell you that the, the timing is incredibly suspicious. Many preachers take scripture out of context to give people the hope that God always heals if they have enough faith. Many preachers will do this. 1 Peter chapter 2, 24 is an example. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to live and to live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. <laughs> if you take that... Last part, without regarding the first, then preachers have a statement for everybody who's saved gets healed. But that's not what this scripture is talking about. And you know that scripture is not talking about that. Because when you read that whole scripture, what is it talking about? It's talking about salvation and salvation alone. And 
All who know Jesus as Savior and Lord have been healed from the consequences of sin. I will say that sin is a disease and it, and it, and it seeks to take your life. I understand that. It is a cancer. It is a cancer that is lived with, in fact, until it takes that life. It puts a burden on people rather than a blessing. And if this, this idea of, of saying that if you have enough faith and you, if you had enough faith, you'd just be healed. And if you don't have enough faith and you're not going to be healed. It's a burden that is put on people. And so you'd say, I'm not healed because of my lack of faith. Or you'd say, my child is not healed because of my lack of faith. Now, remember, all the healing there is comes from God. Not from your faith or your lack of faith, but it comes from God. When I was in Houston, we had a seven-year-old. He fell out of a third-story window playing with his brother. I don't know exactly what happened. It was one of those cooler days in Houston, Texas, in which uh, parents had opened up the windows and the child went through the screen and he went out, landed on the pavement or actually on the sidewalk outside. The child had no brain activity for several days. The doctors came to me and they asked if I would talk to the family so that they could donate this child's organs to other children. And I did. And they decided to let that child's organs be donated. But here's the tragedy. The dad blamed himself because he didn't think he had enough faith. He did not think, even though the organs had already begun to deteriorate and the only thing they were able to use from that child were the eyes, he still thought, I didn't have enough faith to see my son healed. And I thought, what a tragedy here. It's not all on you. If there's a healing, it's always going to be God who heals. But God gives sickness a purpose. Sometimes, I mean, I'm not telling you that God causes sickness. But he gives sickness a purpose. Do you realize that on every bad thing that happens to you, God doesn't cause the bad things, but God's going to cause something good to come out of those bad things. Even the bad things, even a sickness. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So when we pray for the sick, we should be praying for God's results as well. What is God going to get out? Let me give you four results that come from sickness. One, we grow in our faith when we suffer. We will grow in our faith when we suffer. James 1 verse 2 says, count it all joy, brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We grow in our faith when we suffer. This is where faith truly meets us sometimes. When there's no other place to turn but to turn to God, that's where faith often meets us. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. Faith is believing in a God who exists and rewards those who seek him. It is faithfully enduring the suffering with the belief that there is something better ahead. There is something that is coming up that is better ahead. 
That better place may be heaven or it may be healing, but there is something better ahead. And the one with faith accepts what God has for him. I wrote a man who was near death one time. I wrote to him, I said, I am fully convinced that God will either heal you on this earth or beyond it. When I went to visit him there in his hospital bed in his house, you know how people do that. He had that card sitting right by his, his uh, bed. And he told me, I read this every day. God is either healing me here on this earth or he's going to heal me in heaven. And I want you to know God did heal him in heaven. Secondly, we present a testimony to the world when we suffer. First Peter chapter 1 verse 6 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you're going through a tough time, when you're going through a sickness, there are people that are watching you. And our faith is never more strong than when we suffer. Our testimony is never more evident than when we suffer. My friend Doug, my best friend Doug, by the way, who died in 2009, he'd gotten colon cancer that metastasized to his liver. And I couldn't go to his funeral because it was in Knoxville and I was here and couldn't, and he'd had it on a Sunday. But from what I understand and what his wife and others told me, that funeral service was absolutely packed. You see, what happened was he was faithful, you know, he was so faithful, continued to witness. I'm going to tell you what, people wouldn't have blamed him if he quit going to church. People wouldn't have blamed him if he quit sharing his faith. But he didn't. But he didn't. He was so faithful that here in my office, he came visited one time, and I said to him, Doug, I said, Doug, you haven't been going to the doctor anymore because you quit your chemo. You, you just got tired of it. And you don't want to see it. I said, how do you know you still got cancer? And he said, well, I don't. He said, I actually don't. But then he said these words to me. He said, he said but to tell you the truth, I'll be somewhat disappointed because I've been looking so forward to seeing my Savior. He said those words to me. And I thought about that. You know, his testimony just got stronger and stronger. And that's why his funeral service went three hours. <laughs> because people got up and said, I got to say something. He changed lives. Third, suffering reveals the works of God. Let me read this whole passage. I know it's long enough, but I need to read it. John chapter 9, verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is, it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. 
Now, I want you to say, some people say, well, what about the saliva thing in this washing? And wasn't this superstitious action? No, this was a demonstration of faith. He put this on this man's eyes so that there could be a demonstration of faith. This man had to believe in order to go to that pool of Siloam. You know, blind people have a hard time finding places. You understand that? He had to go find this place. He had to wander his way through there in order for him to go and wash in this pool of Siloam. You see, he had to do that as an act of faith on his own for him to have really received what God wanted him to have. No, it wasn't his faith that healed him. It was Jesus that healed him. No more than it was for Naaman. Naaman was leprosy in the Old Testament. He had to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And said, why should you have to do that? Well, I had to go do it because I was told to go do this. And so this man was blind and God healed him on that day. And we see that his testimony was one in order to reveal the power of God. It was one that pointed toward Jesus as God. We had a lady that came and you've heard me tell this story before, a lady named Margaret. Margaret came to, she was regular in our, uh, in our uh, prayer meetings in, in Brentwood. But what happened with Margaret was, is that she got a tumor behind her eye. And the tumor was such that she was going to have to, they were going to have to remove it. And there was almost guaranteed she was going to lose her eyesight out of that eye. It was just the way it was because of what they had to do in order to remove the tumor. And so we gathered around Margaret and we prayed over her. We prayed that God would heal her. I'll be honest with you. We prayed exactly what we thought we should pray. And we prayed that God would heal her. Her surgery was supposed to be on Friday, but something happened before Friday. You see, what happened was, is that the tumor disappeared. And so she came on Wednesday and she took over my prayer meeting. I was supposed to be in charge, but I was not in charge of that prayer meeting. She got up and started talking about the goodness and the love of God and how he had healed her and that how it was and how the power of God was right there and she could, she knew it and I mean she just kept on going and going and I just I just didn't fight her I mean just honestly I just let her have it. On Sunday I saw somebody and I said man I said you come to prayer meeting on Wednesday night I said yeah I said yeah, man I said Margaret took over and said I said I said man she was really something he said you should have seen her at Kroger's. Hmm. fourth we are stronger when we are weak second corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 says so to keep me from becoming conceited because of my suppressing greatness of the revelations a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited three times i pleaded with the lord about this that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's power is made perfect in weakness. 
This flies in the face of superstition because superstition believes that that power is found in an action that we do rather than in God. And that is in reality a real issue of effectiveness. I just read this book a couple of weeks ago about this preacher who had, and they were praising him because of his pastoral power. He was an autocratic leader and he told the people where to go and what to do. And they were talking about how the, the church was grow, grew because of what he had done and, and how he was, he was leading the church in all of this. And you know what? I thought of that and I said, you know what? If you're going to depend on what you do rather than on what God's going to do, that's the best method of leadership that is out there. But if you are going to depend on what God can do, the best method is to be weak so that he will be strong. It is only when we realize that when we are weak that God works in strength. It is when we realize that God works in strength. And for God will not give his glory to others. He will let you do what you can do. It says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, it's a story of Jesus didn't do very many, very many miracles in Nazareth. It says, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. It wasn't because they just didn't have the faith. It's because these people would explain away every miracle. They'd say, well, that happened because of such and such, and this happened because of da-da-da-da. Everybody, every miracle can be explained away. Explain, I can tell you that. Every miracle that ever was can be explained away. And what Jesus was doing was something for the glory of God. And if God was not going to receive the glory, he wasn't going to do it. Let's be very honest with you. So God does not act when people will not give him the glory. Those who act on their own are not giving God the glory. It is truly, folks, when we are weakness that we turn only to God. And he is the only one that we can turn to. And when we're the weakness that we can realize that we, are, we cannot do anything without him. And that malady that it, that's preventing you, think that it's preventing you from doing God's work is absolutely your strength to do God's work. That we realize what strength really is. When I first got here, we had a man here that preached, had cerebral palsy. He was told when he was younger, you can't preach, people can't understand you. But in reality, people have to really listen to him in order to understand him. And you know that God has used him all over the United States. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have come to know Jesus because of him. His difficult speech makes people listen. His weakness is his strength. I suppose people become extremely, uh, I suppose healing becomes extremely important to those who are suffering. And I, I understand this. If you are suffering, or you've got a friend who is suffering, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Can this sickness, can this malady be used for God's glory? Ask yourself this. Ask, can I grow in my faith because of this? And see, ask the Lord, are you giving me a greater testimony than I could have had if I hadn't had this? Ask, is, is this weakness actually making me stronger in my witness for you? 
See, healing doesn't come because I've tried to do something supernatural in the natural world. You see, healing comes because God heals. That's true. Pray with me.